Um, but today, of course, being Pentecost Sunday, it actually fits in very well with where we are on this series that we're doing at the five o'clock called Jesus the Cell Leader. And when we say Jesus the Cell Leader, I know I'm using a modern term for Jesus, but really what we're talking about is the fact that Jesus spent three years in ministry and the vast majority of that time and his greatest emphasis was not on the multitudes of the crowds, he did minister to them, but actually it was on his cell group or his mentoring group of 12 men. And uh, we had a break, RT was with us last uh, week, but we've been looking at some of the principles of Jesus' ministry to his 12 because we can utilize those principles in our own cells and cell ministry. Jesus was the greatest cell leader that ever lived, and um, he forged and formed his men. And also, but even without the cells, we can see the things that were on Jesus' heart and how he mentored those that were around him. Now, it's not often that you would have a series um, on this, And so, you know, this is why the five o'clock is such a a good service, because you can do teaching on things that you could probably never properly teach on or have a series on, say, at one of the more uh, morning services or something. It just wouldn't be popular, if you know what I mean, enough to keep people week after week. But this allows us to really look at the characteristics of of Jesus. And we've we've looked at, at different things, different aspects of his calling, and the consecration. That was the last thing we looked at. And today we're going to have a look at how Jesus emphasized with his disciples, his 12, impartation. Impartation. And it's good to speak about impartation today because this is Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and was imparted into the disciples on the day of Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter spoke under the impartation of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we talk about impartation, it's slightly different to instruction. What I mean by that is, in the kingdom of God, some things are taught, other things are caught. You know, what I mean by this is, Sometimes you can, you can be taught, you can learn about things or learn about great men and women of God, but sometimes there's something that can happen by the Holy Spirit where you catch something. I mean, you think about Elijah and Elisha. Elisha had followed Elijah around all his life, hadn't he, really, his ministerial life. He must have been making notes and he'd have heard every one of Elijah's sermons and and he would have watched him and looked at what he did and how he did it, his mentor. But we know that right at the end, what really mattered was what? That he would catch the mantle. Do you remember that? The double portion of Elijah's spirit. And Elijah said to Elisha, You can have it, but you have to be there when I'm taken up. And so Elisha followed Elijah. He'd he'd got all the sermon notes of Elijah, his master. He'd seen him in action. He'd followed him for years. But he knew all of that would be meaningless if he didn't catch or have the impartation of the anointing, or what we call empowering, that was on him. And he got it, didn't he? Uh, think about, I'm just giving you an, an inroad into where we're going today. Think about Moses. And Moses had an impartation from God to lead. Do you remember when, he, when it was too much for him and his father-in-law said, you need other leaders to help you? And they called the 70 elders. And it didn't just teach the elders or instruct the elders, but God took some of the anointing, the power of God that was on Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. Do you remember that? Moses laid hands on Joshua. Joshua had followed Moses around, learnt from Moses, been instructed by Moses. But there was a time came when Moses laid his hands on Joshua and imparted. It's like deposited or gave a gift of something that could not be learnt or taught but could only be caught. You hear what I'm saying? 
There's times in my life when I know there's been significant Holy Spirit moments with certain ministers and situations where somebody has laid hands upon me and I've been different afterwards. I've been different. Robert Sledden, only a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, at the 7 o'clock service, he spoke, we asked him to speak on the doctrine or teaching of the laying on of hands. And it was a wonderful evening and such an important teaching. Sometimes we, we pray for people, we put their hands on them and we almost do it out of religious thing. We're not doing it in faith and impartation. But the gift that was given to Timothy was given to Timothy, Paul's uh, um, protege, by the laying on of hands. And that laying on of hands can impart a gifting, can impart something, a gifting or something to you that you didn't have before. And so when we speak about Jesus and his training and modeling of the disciples, he did many things. He modeled. He said, come see what I do. He instructed. We said that he expected obedience from those that followed him and that it was the obedience that really prepared them to be what he was preparing them to be. That Jesus put all his eggs in one basket with 12 eggs. They were the the apostles. And when he left, he had dismissed the crowds. He never trusted himself to popularity. On the contrary, uh, he dismissed the crowds. His whole, um, his, he, he was, his whole faith was in those disciples. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, the greatest day of impartation that has ever taken place, on that day of Pentecost, there was only 130 people left. I mean, he'd appeared to 500 of them in one place and others. But by the time all those days had passed, the 50 days since Jesus was raised, the 50 days had thinned out those believers. And uh, by the day of Pentecost, you know, a prayer meeting will thin out the believers. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they were just praying and praying. They were giving and giving and not getting. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came And there was an impartation into those 120. What was different between, what was different before and after? It was the Holy Spirit imparted. And then out of that, in one day, thousands and thousands of people got saved. They were transformed by this impartation. You think about people like Saul. When Saul was called to be king, the Holy Spirit came upon him and the Bible says he was changed into another man by an impartation of the Holy Spirit. And tonight at the 7 o'clock service, we're going to spend a lot of time imparting and praying for people to be filled with the Spirit, praying for the gifts of the Spirit. But before we do that, I'm going to be speaking on what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes. And we'll be talking about what we can expect. When, because people can talk about the Holy Spirit coming and pretend the Holy Spirit comes, but when he really comes, I mean, when he comes in power, what happens? We're going to be looking at that tonight on this celebration, Pentecost <coughs> Day, Sunday. So Jesus' ministry was a life of giving away. And when we talk about impartation, when you impart something to somebody by the Holy Spirit, you're giving something away. That's why Elijah said, uh, when Elijah said to Elisha, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want you to give to me that. And so impartation is always about giving. And Jesus spent his whole time giving away, giving away, imparting. Now, how did he do that? He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't necessarily need to turn to it, but Luke chapter 4, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus waited for an impartation from his Father before he began his ministry. 30 years, he didn't heal anybody. He didn't preach the gospel. He discussed the scriptures as a young boy with the Pharisees. But for 30 years, he was in obedience to his earthly father and mother. He was in obedience to God. He was studying. He was waiting. He was preparing himself. And he didn't move until what happened? He was baptized in the River Jordan and the father imparted the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. There was an impartation 
And then we find that straight after that, Jesus went out to deal with the devil. Now, Jesus was God, fully God, fully man. But what he was doing was he was modeling for us. Because God is Trinity, do you know God is Trinity? I mean, people that say that God isn't Trinity are the most foolish people in the way. They go, how can God be three? Because <laughs> he's God. God could be 50. God could be 100. You know, this idea that somehow mathematically God has to be not just one being, but one person. It's insane. It's insane thinking. God is who God is, and God is who he reveals himself to be. And God has revealed himself to be one being in three persons. I'm one human being in one person. God is one being in three persons. And if you have problems with the Trinity, or you don't understand the Trinity, trust me, it's all over Scripture. Very, very simple doctrine. You can't fathom it too deeply, because how can you fathom God? But the doctrine is very simple, simply portrayed in the Bible. It's there simply, if you know where to go. Go on our internet. I did a whole series here for about a month and a half on the Trinity, and that will bless you. Because the Trinity is all about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus waited for the Father to impart the Holy Spirit upon him. And then he went out and he faced the enemy. And then the next thing he did, he he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. The Spirit of the Lord. What does he mean? There was an impartation. Jesus wasn't going to preach the gospel just by his own ability. Of course, he could. But he was saying, I'm going to do this through the impartation or the gifting or the baptism. Baptism is just a Greek word for... um, um, What is the word? Immersion. It's just a Greek word for immersion. It's not a religious word like we use it in these days, baptism. Sounds like a religious word. Baptism in the Greek simply means immersed. And so Jesus was immersed into the Holy Spirit, and that's how he operated. And everything that Jesus was doing during his ministry was giving away. He was giving away. He was healing according to the presence of the Lord. He was speaking according to the anointing of God. He was laying hands on the sick, and they were recovering according to the impartation of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Women, woman with an issue of blood came and touched the hem of his garment, and what did she get? An impartation. And Jesus said, I felt life, power flowing out of me. And this was Jesus' life. His life was one of giving away what the Father had given to him. Peace I give you, he says in John 16. How do you give somebody peace? Was it Jesus sitting down just counselling people and giving people advice on how not to get angry and how not to get flustered? Was, was Jesus' peace ministry, was that a counselling ministry? Well, I'm sure Jesus' Jesus's counsel would, have, would help a lot of people in a lot of situations. No, the peace he gave couldn't come from the world and couldn't be taken by the world. What was it? An impartation. It was a gift an impartation that's available for us to to draw upon them. He said, all of I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you, in John 15, 15. Even true spiritual knowledge was not just a question of, of, of teaching. Do you know, this Bible in the hands of somebody without revelation from God is useless. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So you, you can get a Jehovah's Witness, and they have their strange, their, their altered Bible, but basically it's very similar to what we've got. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Why? Because they're not clever and we are? No, because to you has been granted the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In other words, God has imparted knowledge. The, the, the scriptures come alive to you. I, I remember studying the Bible before I was saved. I did an A-level studying the scriptures at school, an A-level. I remember doing John's Gospel. I sometimes tell my story about you know, John's Gospel and studying John's Gospel. But I wasn't saved. I was studying it one level, but it didn't change my life. It, it didn't make me, you know, it, it was just interesting theology. 
But when I got saved in my first term at university, that same Bible began to read and, and it began to change me. It began to deposit something in my life and my spirit. It was an impartation. What was happening? The Holy Spirit now was taking the word. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. That's, that's not factual information alone, is it? That's not sermon notes. My words are spirit. My words are life. When, when you hear the gospel preached under anointing, and, and it changes you. What's happening is it's not just doctrine, teaching, but it is spirit, life. It's being imparted into you. It's changing you. The word of God, you know, is living. It's active. It's not information alone. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon it, it's living, it's active. Which is why when you hear the word, when you read the word... And the Holy Spirit comes upon the word. It is living. It's alive. It does something on the inside of you. It's not just theory. It's impartation. And Jesus, when he prayed in John 17 to his father, he said, I have given them your word. Now, what does it mean, given them that word? Information? No. More than information. Impartation. Some people heard the parables, meant nothing to them. Why? Because they didn't have an impartation. Others heard the parables and it opened up their lives and it opened up their hearts. What was it? Impartation. The sower sows the seed. What is the seed? It's the word of God. And the word of God is sown into the hearts. And with the right heart, what happens to that seed? It germinates, it grows, it bears fruit, it's alive. But if that seed goes on a hard heart, a backslidden heart, what will happen to that seed? It just lies there dead, like dead seed. And so this is one of the keys of Jesus' ministry. He was forever imparting to the disciples spiritual authority. He told them to go and preach the gospel and to cast out devils in his name. He imparted to them spiritual authority to do the job. In Matthew 16, 19, he gave them the keys of the kingdom. In other words, they now had power to deal with spiritual forces and to act in his name and on his behalf. He said, all authority has been given to me, therefore Go. He gave them all he had. Nothing was withheld. He even gave them his own life on a cross. God gave all he had when he gave his son. And when we look at um, John chapter 17, verse 18, again, the prayer. And I won't go too much in detail because I want to go elsewhere. Uh, but John 17 and 18, God, Jesus says to his father, I have sanctified them. I have consecrated them. I have set them apart. Uh, he speaks about how he has watched over them and looked after them. But when we speak about the impartation, we're always going to come back, and today is the celebration of Pentecost, we're always going to come back to the relationship between Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the relationship of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's go to... John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's not just teaching them doctrine. He's not just modeling for them. But he is now explaining to them the importance of an impartation that's going to take place. It says in verse 5, But I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks where you're going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. 
of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So here we have Jesus and he's speaking to his disciples and he's saying, look, I'm going to go away. And they must have thought, no, Jesus said, you're sorrowful because I say I'm going to leave you. Why? Because they wanted Jesus' presence, not just his teaching, not just his role model. They wanted to be with him. When Jesus called his disciples, it says he called them to be with him, to be with him. And so now they're hearing that the presence of Jesus is going to leave them, and they're concerned about that. Now, this is important when we're talking about impartation. Because there's something about being with somebody that is very different to not being with them. It's like if you say to yourself, oh, I always wanted to meet so-and-so. I remember recently there was was somebody who was relatively famous, and I always thought to myself, do you know I'd really like to meet that person? I know all about them, but I'd really like to meet that person. And then a while ago, I got an opportunity to meet that person. And it, it was different just to sit and be in that person's presence just for a little while and talk to them. Didn't get to know them that well. It was just a, a short meeting. But wow, this person I've seen on TV and this, that, and the other and know about them and know all about them and, and where they've been and what they've done. But here I am in their presence talking to them It's a totally different thing, isn't it? Totally different thing. And so the disciples were were with um, in in the presence of Jesus. And what happens when you're in the presence of Jesus like this is impartation was taking place. It's one thing to hear about somebody. It's another thing to, to meet someone. I mean, it's even interesting to hear about people that have met people. I mean, for example, um, I I had the privilege of having Dr. R.T. Kendall in my car a number of months ago, and I was down in a meeting at our denominational headquarters and uh, with some other ministers, and and R.T. was ministering to us there. So I said, well, don't get the train back. I'll drive you back. And so we're in the car for a couple of hours, and he just said, you know, ask me whatever you want to ask me. And so... I asked him about him, this, that, and the other, and I enjoyed it. But I also began to ask him about the person that mentored him, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones of Westminster Chapel. And I, I even said, asked him about the person that brought Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones to Westminster Chapel, a great Welsh evangelist called Campbell Morgan. And so R.T. was just sharing little things about... Um, his, his mentor, Lloyd-Jones. And I've never met Lloyd-Jones. Lloyd-Jones has, has died. But I was listening to somebody that met him. And when he was talking about some of their conversations, I know it was secondhand, but I could feel it. Do you know what I'm saying? I could say, wow, I've read a lot of Martin Lloyd-Jones books, listened to a lot of his sermons. They're free and they're, it's fantastic. But now I'm, I'm talking to somebody that's been in his presence and received impartation through being it. R.T. used to go every Thursday and spend time with Dr. Lloyd-Jones. And I could say, and, and then he began to tell me about what Dr. Lloyd-Jones and his wife, about what they spoke about um, Campbell Morgan. Characteristics, little things, things you wouldn't read in a book. And so I was getting it third hand. But you know, it was totally different to reading biographies, totally different to listening to sermons. Why? Because I was speaking to somebody who'd been in the presence of somebody. And then somebody who'd been in the presence of somebody who'd been in the presence of somebody, but there was still something about it. And with all the books and tapes and stuff, it was just a totally different thing. Why? Because I was talking about people's experience of an impartation. 
You know, there's nothing like having sat under somebody's ministry that's no longer. I remember speaking to somebody about, Dr. Uh, about Derek Prince. Remember Derek Prince? Who's ever actually sat in a building where Derek Prince preached? Okay, It's a great privilege, isn't it? And, and you ever spoken to, have you ever spoken to someone who said, Derek Prince, you know, that I've been reading his books, and you said, oh, yeah, he used to come to KT. I, why? I remember the time when, and their ears were all bricked up. Like, an, ooh, what was it like? What was it like? What is it? You know, yeah, I had, uh, he, was up at, we, he was up in Colin's office afterwards, got to know him. Well, really, really. And they're more interested in what you felt, what he was like, because they've got the books. They might even have the tapes. Do you know what I'm saying? I remember once I had a great privilege, um, many years ago, uh, Colin went out to lunch with Reinhold Bonke and took me along. I, did, I, just, I didn't cause any fuss, I just sat there. Like this. <laughs> but I tell you what, having, being part of a lunch with somebody like that, I, love, I loved his books beforehand, I loved his tapes beforehand, sat under his ministry, but I'm telling you, there's something different. You know, you hear what I'm saying? This is so important what I'm trying to convey to you. Because this is what the disciples had. And, and Jesus said, I'm going away. And they said, no way. No, we can't bear the thought that we'll no longer be in your presence. That we won't have times like this where we, we sit together with you. Where we sit under you. Where we fellowship with you. That you're going away. I mean, you know how sorrowful it can be, can't it, when a loved one goes to be with the Lord? And part of the problem is you remember them. And you say to yourself, I just wish. I just wish I could go back and spend that time. Don't you? you the longing is for their presence, isn't it? You've got your memories. You know what they're like. And, but the longing is for their presence. Well, Jesus said, I'm going away. But it's better that I go. He says, it's better that I go, because if I don't go, somebody else won't come. But if I go, I will send somebody else to you. And who was he talking about? The Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to earth in his presence. He was already on the earth, working on the earth, and had, but he came, it was like he came himself. He wasn't operating behind the scenes. He came as the person of the Holy Spirit, and he came not just to be in the presence of those 120, but he came and he filled them. And so now the presence of the Holy Spirit, we talk about being in human beings' presence, but more important than any human being's presence, no matter how wonderful they are, famous they are, no matter how much anointing they carry or how great they are, it's good to sit in the presence of great people. It's exciting. You, you can get an impartation. But more importantly, we now have the Holy Spirit's presence available for every believer, no matter where they are, no matter what they do, they have the better presence than Jesus himself, they have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's an amazing thing. Because, you see, impartation works like this. Impartation comes by the Holy Spirit. So the closer you are to the Holy Spirit, the more time you spend in his presence. Not RTs in a car on the way back, or Reinhard Bankes in, in lunch, or even the great Derek Prince as he preached here at Kensington Temple, as wonderful as all those things were, they were only wonderful because the Holy Spirit was involved in them. But to sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's where impartations take place. You see, when the Holy Spirit falls, all kinds of things happened. Gifts of healing are imparted. Gifts of miracles are imparted. When the Holy Spirit comes, knowledge of the future, prophetic knowledge is imparted and shared. When the Holy Spirit comes, new tongues of revelation are given to people. When the Holy Spirit comes, conviction of sin and conviction that Jesus is the Lord. These things, they take place, humanly speaking, mysteriously. Not just logically, but mysteriously. 
You say mysterious? Well, the Bible explains, but it is mysterious in its actions. Because the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Jesus said uh, to, you, to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can I be born from my mother's womb? And he was thinking earthly, not spiritually. And Jesus, uh, Jesus said, the spirit and, and, and the word pneuma, the Greek word pneuma in the New Testament for spirit also means wind. So spirit and wind. The spirit blows where it wills. The wind blows where it wills. Nobody knows when it comes. Nobody knows how it works. It just blows as it wills. You must be born of spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, that's where lives are changed. Lives are not changed by the scripture alone. Lives are not changed by just simply, you know, I'll go down the gym and get myself fit. Well, go for it, but that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. If you want to be fit on the inside, you have to, you have to stand in the presence of God that changes us. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, people's lives are changed. Saul was changed into another man. When we look at Acts of the Apostles later on this evening, I'll be showing you that, look at the change that took place to the people during the day of Pentecost. And that the Holy Spirit would often at times fill people for a special preaching or a sermon. Or, or the Holy Spirit would come upon people in a powerful way and something would happen because of this impartation. It says the Holy Spirit's going to come, he's going to bring conviction. Now that word conviction simply means to be totally and utterly convinced of an argument. It's when, it's when somebody comes to you and so convinces you, you say, I totally and totally believe what you've just said. And, and that doesn't come from learning. It doesn't come from the scripture. It doesn't even come from a clever preacher. That comes by an impartation, a work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of someone. So when the Holy Spirit comes, it is an incredible thing. It is an incredible thing. You think of the greatest person you've ever been in the presence of. You think of your hero, your sporting hero, whoever it is, or, or, or the person... That the, you, you most prize selfie. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody, they're taking selfies and they see a famous person and they want to date. We've got Scott. You remember Scott? Scott is, has got a habit of taking selfies of everybody. I mean, he, he went on holiday to, was it Budapest? Where is it? Prague. He goes, this is, this is Scott. Scott goes on holiday just for a few days with a friend to Prague and comes back with a selfie of himself and the England manager. <laughs> what was the England manager did? There was no football match. Scott found him. And he's got, and he's got these, these like selfies of him with this person, him with that person. It's just, he's just got a knack, a knack for doing it. I don't know, who, who would you like a selfie with most? Here's me and my hero. But the thing that we really must grasp is that there's no greater person to be in the presence of than the Holy Spirit. And this is really important because what can happen is, is that we can forget this. Or we can, how can I put it? It's important to honour people that are worth being honoured, isn't it? And so, you know, if the Queen of England passed your, passed, passed your way, you just bumped her out of the way because you're both trying to get into Primark, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's not, that's not honourable. You have to recognise who she is, if you want her blessing, true? If, if, you, if, you, if you diss the queen, don't expect to be made a knight of honour. You know, oh, he'd like, you know, if you, if, you, if you disrespect somebody's anointing, or you disrespect somebody's honour, if you disrespect it, don't expect to receive from it. And one of the things that we need to grow in, and it's a growth, it doesn't happen overnight, is respect of the Holy Spirit. Because he's reasonably sensitive to these things. I mean, R.T. says, has a whole teaching, R.T. Kendall, on the Holy Spirit being sensitive like a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit's not oversensitive. Because if he was, he would never get mixed up in our lives in the first place. And the Holy Spirit is already working in the lives of those that aren't yet saved. So he's not afraid to roll his sleeves up and get inside and the mess of people's lives. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit expects honour. Just like you would honour somebody that's worthy of honour. You know, whatever walk of life. 
to, to honour them, to honour what they are, to honour their position. The Bible tells us that we should honour those that are in government, that there is an honour. And where you, where you bring honour, that's where you receive from the presence of that which you honour. That which you honour, you'll receive from. That which you don't honour, or even dishonour, you won't get anything from. You will never receive from that which you dishonour. You will never have an impartation from that which you do not respect. You just won't get it. So if you've been speaking bad about the evangelist or the preacher, and then you come forward wanting them to lay hands upon you, and you've been gossiping about them in the background, you won't receive anything. You won't receive a thing. It's like some people think that they can gossip and badmouth and dig into to people in authority's life, and then they think, you know what? I don't get anything from that person. I don't get anything from their teaching. I don't get anything from their prayer. I don't get anything from them. No, you don't, because you dishonour. And what you dishonour, you cannot receive from. It's not even that they won't bless you. It's you have shut yourself down from these things. I mean, you say, is that, is that really real? Of course it's real. Look at Jesus in Nazareth. Jesus went to Nazareth, and it says in Nazareth, there was very little that took place. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honour except in his own place. There was very little. Why? Because they didn't honour him. They weren't open to receive. It was like, who's this Jesus? Who does he think he is? We know him. He, he worked down in the carpentry shop. We used to play with my kids. Who does he think he is? Thinks he's Messiah, does he? We did. And, and, and they dishonoured him. And the Bible says he could do no mighty works except heal a few. I mean, fancy... Shutting down for your own life, not for others, but fancy shutting down the Lord himself, his own anointing. God, could you imagine if Jesus came in to this congregation and he says, I can't do anything here. Why? Because you dishonor me. Oh, wouldn't happen, but you know what I'm saying? So if we can shut down the impact, if, sorry, if, if, if people in Nazareth, human beings can shut down contain, because of their unbelief and dishonour, and shut down the Lord's anointing for themselves through dishonour, well, doesn't that mean that we can shut down one another's blessing of our lives? If we don't honour one another, how can we receive from one another? And isn't it even more true that if we are not growing growing. We don't have to be there. Not perfectly there. God is a God of grace, remember. But just because God is a God of grace doesn't mean that we don't grow in grace. I don't want anybody thinking, oh, I'm such a mess, the Holy Spirit. He'll start with you where you are, but he'll expect there to be steps forward. If we're not growing or aware of honoring the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our prayer times and our personal times, as well as in the church, if we're not conscious of that, then surely it's fair to say that we won't receive everything that we should be receiving. A culture of honour towards the Lord is what we all call the fear of the Lord, of which there's very little in modern Western Christianity. Jesus is, is you know, is just some, you know, just your best mate type thing. Now, oh, Jesus understands, does he? Oh, Jesus doesn't mind. Oh, doesn't he? Oh, Jesus is just happy I'm in church. Really? And one of the things we can do to supercharge our lives and have a flood of impartations, gifts, deposits into our lives that will bring change, knowledge, revelation, all these things the Holy Spirit will take of me and give to you, will make known the revelation, all these things, is, is to honour the Lord. And this means that, for example, when... When we're worshipping the Lord, if we're on our mobile phones texting someone while we're worshipping the Lord, you dishonour him. You know what I'm saying? Speaking generally. You dishonour him. Because if I took you out for a meal, and you spent your time on the mobile phone, that's the last meal I'd ever take you out to. <laughs> you dishonour me. You're more interested in your mobile phone than you are in talking to me. Or if we're during the worship service and we're just like, you know, whatever... Whatever, I'm not interested in this. Don't like, oh, don't like this song. I'll wait and sing the next one. And I'm not saying you have to sit there in holy fear, like, oh, God, if I don't worship properly. 
Perfect love casts out fear. But perfect love, love also brings honor. Honor is the key to receiving impartation. I've seen this. I've seen this. I, I've followed this. I'm not saying I follow it perfectly, but I've learned the lesson. There are people in my life, key people, that I've honored and I've had an impartation from them. I've honored them. Where other people, I mean, I can think of over the years, I've been here for so long, I'm part of the furniture. And I've been here and I've seen ministers and leaders come through and I've served under some great leaders here at Kensington Temple when I was a young minister and Chris Cartwright and Gareth Lewis, Wynne Lewis's son and William Atkinson and served under them all, under Colin. And You know, one of the things I was careful was to honour because I wanted to receive from them. We've also had great ministers come along and and over the years, and I've sought to honour them, not just because they, they deserve honour, but because I want to receive from them. And it's amazing, over the years, the key moments I can see where I've received impartation. Not that they have anything, but God has something on them that God would like to give. God works through human beings, if you notice that. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Preach the gospel. God works through, and there are key things in key individuals that God wants to give us through them. And over the years, I've seen people not receive impartations who have been on our staff because I've noticed that they've been almost too familiar with some of the guest preachers that we've had here. Do you know what I'm talking about? Talk to them like they're mates. You're not that, you're not, that person is a global world evangelist. He's not your mate. He's, he's shaken countries. You've hardly shaken a milkshake from McDonald's. And yet, the way you talk to them is like you're on their own level. You won't receive a thing. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, it's just a little thing, but RT keeps telling me to go up when I introduce him and say something funny about him. I can't do it. I'm not saying that if somebody does it, that I can't do it. I can't go up and make some joke about RT not being who he is. I can't do it. I can't... And he likes it. He likes people to go up and have a joke. He went to one church where, where they're all trying to do the funniest introduction of RT. And it was brilliant, sounded fantastic, and it was actually very honourable. Do you hear what I'm saying? But I can't do that because it's not right for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I respect him too much for me to do it. And I couldn't do that and feel right. Although others do it and they respect him. And can do you hear what I'm saying? So it's a personal thing. It's not one for all, you know, because you can pretend to respect somebody and honour somebody and it's not there. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when the Holy Spirit came and there was, there was impartation, do you know, it was only the 120 that got it. Where was the five, six, seven hundred that had seen him when he, was, when he was raised from the dead? They'd been in the presence of the resurrected Son of God. In one situation, Jesus, during that period, he, he appeared to 500 at one time. That must have been amazing. I don't know about you, I'd love, I'd love to have Jesus in his resurrected body come and appear. But I don't want to dishonor the Holy Spirit or Jesus who said, it's better that the resurrected body of Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, praying for us, it's better. And that the Holy Spirit is here, and that we can honour the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in one another, in one another. When you respect somebody in the body of Christ, when you respect your brother, you're respecting the Holy Spirit. You know, what you do to somebody, you do it unto God. If you bless somebody, you're blessing God. If you curse somebody, you're cursing God. If you do good to somebody, you're doing good to God. If you speak evil of somebody, you're speaking evil to God. God takes it very personal. That's why he says, don't say that you love God and hate your brother. Because when God, and I've said this many times, when God tests our spirituality, you know, what level are you? A star, A, B, C, D, E, F grade when it comes to spirituality. How does God grade our spirituality? Does he grade firstly on how long we read the Bible each day? Does he grade secondly on our prayer life? Does he grade thirdly on our tithing and our giving? What's the first thing that God looks at to test our spirituality to see if we love him? How we treat one another in the body of Christ. That was his new command, wasn't it? This is my new command, that you honor one another's presence. 
that you love one another, respect one another, cherish one another. By this they will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because you honor one another, cherish one another, forgive one another, serve one another. These things are extremely important to God. And we find that when the Holy Spirit came, he came to 120. Where were the rest of them? They didn't get it. They didn't get the impartation. They'd seen Jesus minister. Some of them, five, six hundred or so, had seen Jesus in his resurrected form. But they, they missed out on that initial impartation. Maybe they got it later as the gospel was preached. But that night, they weren't there for the impartation. Why? Because they didn't honor the Lord's word, tarry, wait on me in Jerusalem, and you'll be clothed with the Holy Spirit on fire. And so they didn't receive the impartation that day because the Holy Spirit came on those. And one of the things you see is that it says on the, when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were together in one place and in one accord. If they weren't together, I don't think the Holy Spirit would have come. And if they weren't in one accord, why would the Holy Spirit bother to come in that? One of the things I'm going to mention tonight is this, is that nothing disrupts the impartation of gifts, blessings, uh, 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 healings, gifts from the Holy Spirit. Nothing disrupts it more than works of the flesh. And there are different types of works of the flesh, but one of the key groupings of the works of the flesh is disunity, backbiting. I mean, we often say that one of the works of the flesh is heresy. And we think, oh, that means, you know, bad doctrine. The word heresy doesn't mean bad doctrine. It means sect. And by that, it means groups of people getting together in little groups, speaking against the work of God, dividing into little groups, not dividing into good groups like cells, but into little groups fighting amongst them. That's one of the major works of the flesh. And one of the big things of the day of Pentecost was the unity, one accord, it probably took them 50 days to get that sorted, but they got it sorted. So when they were there, there was no backbiting, gossiping, fighting. Uh, they were just waiting on the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit came, he saw a spirit of unity, a spirit of humility, one accord, one place, together, doing what God had called them to do. And he said, that'll do for me. And the Holy Spirit came in that mighty impartation from heaven like a rushing wind. And fire came on their heads. And they began to speak in other tongues. And they were filled with the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And they went out and preached the gospel. And the work of, of the great revival in the beginning of Acts was born. Jesus taught his disciples right from the beginning that nothing works except by supernatural impartation. Nothing works except by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. You can preach the same sermon twice in ex with exactly the same words, exactly the same emotion, exactly the same delivery, but if one has an impartation of the Holy Spirit on it, it'll change people's lives forever. It'll do a great work on the inside. But if the other doesn't have an impartation on it, people might clap the delivery, but it won't change lives. It's the same in whatever field that you're in, whatever career that you're in, whether you're in business or education, you need an impartation. My son's just gone through some more of his exams. And more than anything, I ask for his impartation of God's wisdom, impartation of God's anointing, that he might do his best. In fact, better than his best. Supercharged, turbocharged. God bring to, remember, bring to his remembrance his studies. But don't just bring to remembrance the things that he needs to remember. Give him an impartation of wisdom, of divine application of knowledge that comes from you. This is what I'm praying. I don't know what he'll get. It's not my job to find out what he's get. It's my job as a parent to make sure that he's covered with prayer, done his best preparation that we as parents can do, and then send him off. And whatever happens is the Lord's. Do you know what I'm saying? You do your, you, you do your best and God will do the rest. That's all I've ever told him. So just do your best, son. Just do your best. 
Just do your best and God will do the rest. Just do your best. And even if it doesn't work, don't worry because you did your best and God will do the rest. Give him your best, he'll do the rest. If you fail and you've done your best, it won't matter in the end because he'll do the rest. If you succeed, it's it's not just because you've done your best. Remember, it's because he's done the rest. It's an impartation of life. Impartation into our relationships. Impartation into our marriages. Our relationships and marriages need a divine impartation in our cells we need impartation as a cell leader you need an impartation you need to be given something freely you have been given freely give away Jesus was giving giving all the time but he wasn't just giving so that we could receive and hold on to he gave freely so that we could receive whatever the Lord gives you give it away. If you've got a gifting in music, a gifting in, in business, give it away. Give it away. I love our business fellowship, how they're doing some more, how they do free seminars on this, that, and the other. Why? Because God has imparted gifts of business into them. And what are they doing? They're giving it away. Not for a price. They're giving it away. They're giving their understanding. They're giving their knowledge. And all of us have been given abilities, sporting, musical abilities. Some of you have great gifts in socialising. Some of you are are great listeners. All of us, no matter who you are, you've been given a gift and you've got a, and that gift is an impartation. That strength, that character strength is an impartation. An impartation. That ability that you've had, whether God gave it to you when you got saved or whether you were born with an impartation of an ability. You hear what I'm saying? David David Beckham was imparted by Almighty God with a soccer gifting. No amount of practicing can raise you up to that level. It was an impartation. You see these great sportsmen, you see these great, even if they're not Christians, it doesn't matter who they're, that they have been imparted, that gifting by the Almighty God. Yes, they've made the most of it. It is a partnership, but they've been given an impartation and one day they'll have to give an account for that impartation. The gifts and strengths that have been imparted into your life, you're going to have to give an account. You won't have to give for an account for the gifts you've not been given. You won't have to be given an account for the strengths and abilities that you've not been given. You don't have to give account for those. But for the talents, I'm not speaking about talons, meaning a Greek uh, um, coinage. I'm speaking about talents. The talents that you've been given are impartations, and you are expected to utilize those by giving them away. This is why, throughout the whole of Jesus' ministry, in his discipling of his cells, one of the major aspects of his ministry and his teaching was that of impartation. Amen. Well, God bless you. Maybe see some of you at the 7 o'clock as well. Have a great week.